I mean, I wanted to be a famous actor. I wanted to be on TV. I thought that was important. You know, we were talking about this the other day. Like all the things I thought were super important, and now that I kind of have them, it was all smoke and mirrors. Mm-hmm. The fame, fame is lame. Fame is the most lame part of the whole process. listening to Inside Acting, a podcast dedicated to demystifying the inner and outer game of success in the entertainment industry. I'm Trevor Yongat, and coming up in episode 259 today, we sit down for part two of our Encore interview series with P90X creator, Tony Horton. And in part two today, Tony shares why fame is the lamest part of the whole journey. Why everything he does is in gratitude and service to others, his fans, people who have helped him along the way, and why working your way up is hard, staying there is harder, but coming down, super easy. That and more coming up in episode 259. Stick around. Support for this episode of Inside Acting is brought to you by VO2GoGo.com, the award-winning voiceover training system and winner of Backstage's Reader's Choice Award for Best Voiceover Training four years in a row. Visit VO2GoGo.com slash start for a free getting started in voiceover online class that'll help you add voiceover to your acting portfolio. That's VO, the number two, gogo.com slash start. And by Rapid Reels, the one-stop shop to getting the content you need to be able to book the roles you want. Find out more at Rapid Reels, that's reels with a Z, dot com. Rapid Reels, dreams made real. Hey everybody, this is Trev. Welcome to episode 259 of Inside Acting. Thanks for listening. Hi. Thanks for downloading, tuning in, streaming, doing what you do to get your ears uh, wrapped around this uh, here podcast thing. It's just me again this week. AJ will be hopefully joining us in a future episode. So we're going to jump right into the meat of the podcast episode today. I don't have a ton personally to share, um, half, halfly, because I'm not a huge fan of sort of talking about myself. I know that sounds probably ridiculous, and I've said that before in the show, but also because um, there's a couple things I can't talk about, but that I have been busy with, especially in the voiceover world. Can I just tell you guys, if you really lean into voiceover and work at it and start to book work, it is extremely rewarding, extremely flexible, extremely rewarding. And and I've had a couple jobs and, and things that I've been working on the past few weeks that uh, that are very exciting and very rewarding. So I won't say any much more than that uh, at the moment, but very, very thrilled to be doing what I'm doing. And I'll be able to share more soon. We do have a question from a listener named Frank who wrote in uh, a while ago. Frank, thanks for your patience. Thanks for hanging in there. Uh, And I want to respond to it quickly here before we jump into the interview with Tony. Frank writes in and says, uh, I want to create my actor's website, but I want to know if it's inappropriate to also have sections of the site 
that include music I've recorded, both in and outside of my band. I want my personal site to showcase my talents, but could that really deter against agents and casting directors casting me? And this is a great question, something that I think a lot of us who are multifaceted, you know, hyphenate creatives sort of struggle with. It's, it's all about like how convoluted do we make our brand? Because at the end of the day, what we want to communicate is a really, really clear message about what casting directors and producers and directors and the projects uh, that we're going to be hired for, what they're going to get when they bring us into the room. And the more sort of muddled we make that message with all the cool things we do, whether we're photographers or cooks or dancers or potters or musicians, as well as being actors, that can really muddy things. But at the same time, you never know when those skill sets are really going to come in handy when somebody is looking for an actor who also is quite familiar doing pottery. Or if it's, if that pottery, for instance, uh, seems to really inform your, your energy, your brand, your essence, that could be something to sort of play up, right? So my thoughts on this are to be selective, I guess, with how you position the different things that you do. I think first and foremost, we're actors, right? If we think about this from a business standpoint, David H. Lawrence, the 17th, uh, with whom I do a lot of the voiceover work that I do and uh, who's kind of a mentor figure to me, he, you know, he talks a lot about acting being like, not being like, but he, he relates acting to, to uh, a plumbing business, a plumbing supply business. Like, so if we weren't actors, if we were actually instead in the business of selling plumbing parts, you know, like PVC pipes and wrenches and stuff like that, what would we do then? So if I was in the plumbing supply business and I was like, I've got this great product, you know, or maybe my premium service is that I can install a low flow shower head. I don't know. I'm just pulling this out of thin air. But if that's my premium service, that's the thing I want to communicate to people right off the bat. In addition to that, if I'm also, <laughs> if I'm also like a car mechanic uh, and can like, you know, deal with the uh, hoses in your car, if you've got any sort of like, you know, leakage issues or whatnot in your, in your engine, um, that could be a great thing to also let people know about, but it might convolute the message right off the bat. So when you put yourself on the other person's shoes, the person who's the buyer, the casting entity, if you're an actor and the customer, the client, the buyer, if you are in any other business, it really comes down to solving their problem. And when I think to the times in my life where I'm just sort of like stressed and pressured and I got a million and one things to do on my list and I've got this thing I've just got to take care of, which is the situation that most casting entities find themselves in most of the time. They've got several different projects. They're under deadline to get these things cast and all they want to do is bring in people that look like they're going to be right for the part. When I'm in those situations, if I come across an offering or a service that does a lot of different things, it, it usually is, is a little bit too much extra cognitive work for me to be doing just to solve my one problem at that point in time. So I may come across a plumber who also does car repairs, but I'm probably going to be like, I, I don't really understand what they're going to do. Like, I, it doesn't seem like a straightforward enough solution. I don't know if they specialize in this thing. I'm really looking for a specialist. I just want to get this problem handled. I don't want to have to deal with problems down the road for a, a job only sort of half well done. So I'm just going to go with somebody who looks like they are my my sniper rifle versus my shotgun, to borrow a metaphor from the podcast from a long time ago. How this translates to acting, um, in Frank's case, and Frank, uh, I'm also a musician, so I, I definitely understand where you're coming from. Uh, again, I would say just put your 
performance brand. Your performer, your professional performer, like here's everything you need to cast me to make an informed decision about bringing me into the room. Put that stuff up front on your website. Make sure that is the message that is communicated. Of course, we all have a different essence, but if you're a musician, rather than maybe sticking demos and music and things like that on the front page, maybe instead just have a clip of you playing the guitar if you've got that footage in your reel. Have that closer to the front, or maybe you've just got a picture. Of you、uh, playing a live show somewhere, you know that's sort of professionally shot and well lit and things like that.、Uh, and then you can have a you know a, a deeper link somewhere on your website that really、um, goes into that facet of your life. But it really comes down to the primary focus. That's that's my take on this. Frank, I hope that helps. I would love to hear thoughts from anybody else on this topic as well. Just feel free to tweet at us, leave us a voicemail, send us an email, that kind of thing, and we'll be sure to feature. Your thoughts and voice on an upcoming episode. All right, guys, enjoy part two of our chat with Tony Horton, one of my favorite human beings in the world. I walked away from this interview so starstruck by this guy because he is the epitome of service. He's present with the people he's in the room with. He gets that you got to be good to people, and、uh, he definitely does not take his success for granted for a moment. So enjoy part two of this chat with Tony, and we'll catch you on the other side. Thing and the personal training thing before something had to give, or you met some. I know you said you met Carl. Like what? What? How long were you going? And then when was that that turning point? Well, you know, the whole fitness thing for me kind of kicked in around the early '80s, and I think I started training people around the mid '80s. And so I was training people in mid '80s, '90s.、Uh, you know, that was about a 15 year process. So, so at the same time, I was doing the acting class and the auditions all about that same time.、Mm-hmm. And then a, a friend of mine、um, uh, who worked for Prince, who was in one, one of the production guys at,、uh, up in Minneapolis, also worked with Nordic Track. And Nordic Track was out of out of Minneapolis, and so、uh, he, you know, he talked to some of the executives at Nordic Track and said, "Look, I've got." They were trying to find their next guy, you know, for their for their infomercials and also for their instructional videos. So when you buy one of their pieces of equipment, you can kind of. Hi, I'm Tony Horton for the line of Nordic Track Fitness Equipments. We've got something really straight, really you know, really dull. Right, I couldn't do、right. any of the funny stuff and be silly. They just wanted to be really conservative. So I flew back and forth to Minneapolis about six times and did those. And I remember, I remember being so nervous. I mean, sh- lying in bed, eyes wide open, shaking, freaking out. Like you know, my old acting coach would say, actors are most unhappy under two conditions. One. When they're not working, two. When they're working, right, right. <laughs> He's the same guy who said, "If you want to have that not be part of your, you know, your your personal、uh, mantra as an actor, go find something else you love as much." And so that was the neat thing about me. I had the acting thing, but I also had this training thing that 
I mean, I wanted to be a famous actor. I wanted to be on TV. I thought that was important. You know, we were talking about this the other day. Like all the things I thought were super important, and now that I kind of have them, it was all smoke and mirrors. Mm-hmm. The fame, fame is lame. Fame is the most lame part of the whole process. You have to, you know, you've got it. The minute you walk out your door, your hair's got to look good, your skin's got to look good, your clothes got to look good. I mean, everything about because you're going to go out in the general public. These people buy your products, and when they meet you. It's not like they've seen you in a movie or a TV show. You, they have changed. They have literally changed mind, body, spirit from day one through day ninety. So they want to. They think you're, you're you're their best friend because they see you every day in the house uh-huh. and in the process they're feeling better. <clears throat> so thank the Lord, I have this sort of this this really strong desire to want to meet people and to talk people and, and to hang out with them and hear their story. I just love it. I mean, it's not work for me. You know, people mm. say, don't you get tired of everybody coming up to you and asking you for your autograph and blah, blah, blah. No, man. I mean, these people's lives, they, they got up at 6 a.m. and did friggin' yoga for 90 minutes. And I'm going to be a dick <laughs> <laughs> to, these, to these folks? There's oh, no amen. way. Yeah, There's amen. no way. That's awesome. There's no it. way. You know what I mean? Mm. So, you know, <laughs> if you're listening to this and you're a young actor and things turn out pretty well for you, for you, keep in mind that the people that are buying those tickets and watching your show are the reason why you got that gig. Mm-hmm. Not because you've got all this talent. You know, I mean, I'm sure you do, you know, but the fact of the matter is when you run into your fans, your job, part of your job is to be incredible with these folks and just mm-hmm. say hello and look them in the eye and sign those autographs and take the picture. I mean, I was, I was scrambling for a flight. I was trying to get to Colorado Springs last week and this guy wanted to stop me right there. And I thought, oh my God, you know what I mean? And I, it was like one of the very rare times where I said, I can't right now, man. I'm so sorry. I wish I could. I'm scrambling right now. And he had this look on his face like... Oh, oh my God, I almost, totally wanted, I almost wanted to miss my plane. Hmm. And I thought about it the whole day. I thought, I could have taken 30 seconds for this guy. I could have, I should have. Hmm. I kind of beat myself up about it. But, but you know, it's, it's, you know, you want this stuff. You want the power and you want the money and you want the fame. But it's not about that. It's about the process. It's about yeah. working with actors on a great project. It's, you know, that's what it's about. You know, actors should be, you know, down when they're not working. But when they're working, they should be fired up, upbeat, super cool, great to work with, ready to go. You yeah. know I mean? These prima donna scumbags who get a TV series and all of a sudden they feel like they can treat everybody like, shit, are you kidding me? What you need to be is drop kicked, man. Get your head out of your ass and start treating people right. And that's, and that's how, you know, look at Ron Howard, look at Tom Hanks. Yeah. Look at guys in this yeah. industry who have had, you know, a, a long run. It's because they're good people. Yeah. You know, and you see a lot of people, I'm not going to mention their names, we know who they are, who have all this talent and they piss it away because... They got some money in the bank or whatever it is, or they're, they're hooked on some crap that's making them turn, turn them into idiots. Yeah. yeah. But I digress. Um, <laughs> you know, but so for me, anyway, to get to, the, get to that answer, I, you know, I was uh, just a guy, just a trainer who had this opportunity, and I went to Minneapolis, and I got my, you know, it was, it was really interesting, scary, but I managed to pull it off. I said to myself, I'm going to go up there as prepared as I can be, and I'm not going to be so attached to the outcome. I'm going to be in the moment. I'm going to take that Daryl Hickman stuff. I mean, even though this is kind of rote fitness stuff, I'm just going to do what I know, you know. And uh, did I do it in the first take? No, not necessarily. Um, but I was learning how to walk and talk and chew gum and read a teleprompter all at the same time. And uh, it was a great learning experience, man. And uh, and then I went back to my regular life. I was still, you know, auditioning and training people and getting up early and driving all over town and, you know, training celebrities and, and, and regular, you know, executive mm-hmm. types as well. Uh, and then my next opportunity came, uh, the Playboy channel asked me to do, uh, I auditioned for this thing called Playboy 360. And it was just like Entertainment Tonight or, or uh, any, any uh, 
um, extra are those kind of shows that you'd see after the nightly news. But we, it was a little bit more risque. You know, it was a lot more about about naked girls <laughs> than it was about you know, political things. Um, well, or that's why we get Playboy for the articles. You know, absolutely. Yeah, man. The There's articles. so many. There are. I mean, honestly, yeah. I just rip the, I rip out the nude pictures and just throw them away. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't have no use for that. <laughs> but it was really great because I had a co-host now and I had three cameras. I had a three-camera show. So, you know, you start on camera one, you turn to your co-host, you go to two, you go back to your co-host, and you finish on three, right? Wow. And it was, you know, I remember that, never forget the first time. They loved, you know, the whole vibe and everything I was doing, and, and, I, and I wasn't really funny yet, but I, I could kind of play with my co-host. It was uh, actually, actually Shannon Tweed's sister that was my co-host, and she was funny, and she was pretty comfortable, and she really helped me. And uh, we did, I don't know, we did like two seasons, 30-something shows. And, oh, my God, what an amazing... I mean, and then they realized, you know, that I could do some silly stuff so every show opened with a sketch every every show ended with a sketch they had you know Tony sings the oldies just had all kinds of funny bits and it was a super popular show with the prison population apparently I don't know that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> so you got that going for you which is nice that is so nuts because it almost sounds like when you said three camera and they let you be kind of goofy it almost sounds like to me immediately my head's like ah, oh, it almost sounds like the universe was kind of like if I get a little woo woo there the universe is almost grooming you for Absolutely. what was to come. Absolutely, man. And well, between I, that and the Nordic track thing. Yeah, between that yeah. and the Nordic track thing. And I mean, it almost sounds like it was just setting you up and it was just a matter of time before this, this kind of whole thing hit for you. Yeah, because there was no way on God's earth I could have ever anticipated the success of, of Power 90. Uh, well, initially it was Great Body Guaranteed. It was this really, you know, inexpensive little 15-minute workout thing I did with, a, with another trainer named Debbie Sievers. And, you know, did the Nordic Track gig, got the, you know, did the, the 360 gig. They all came and went. And there I was back again training people and, and going on auditions and getting an occasional gig. You know, then I went off to, I went off to Canada and I was up there for three and a half months uh, on 13th Warrior training these actors, doing a couple of bit parts. And it was just kind of went like that, you know? you know. And like a lot of actors, you get a gig, the gig's over, you hang out, you wait for the next one, you audition, and hopefully you get another one. Right. But for me, it was, I think one of the critical pieces and one of the reasons why I wanted to do this podcast today was you never, ever, ever know where it's going to come from. Never, ever know. And it'll come in the craziest moments and the weirdest ways. It, you know, it doesn't always necessarily come in a traditional way where agent calls, go meet the casting director, do your audition, you know, get the gig, show up at the gig, director likes you. You know, put you. He, he remembers you and puts you in his next movie. That's kind of the traditional way. So what happens a lot of times with a lot of young actors is is that they think, all right, well then I can kind of blow everything else off and kind of focus on the traditional way of doing things. But but you know, life is is a series of networking. You know, networks with different people from different things. You know, whether they be an attorney or a firefighter or a cop. I know so and so who knows somebody. Anyway, the point I wanted to make was that. You know, because I was struggling so much, a lot in my personal life with relationships, with finances, and and building my business, I wasn't really, you know, I was just winging it, man. I was winging it day after day. I just mm. felt, I guess, I had a lot of good luck. <clears throat> I, I stayed mostly off the most drugs and alcohol at that point. When I was finally training, it, I was more focused. I was eating better. I was exercising, and I was, I wasn't effing off as much. You know, I was getting to bed at a reasonable hour. I wasn't in clubs till two o'clock in the morning anymore. You know, I just thought I got to grow up and be responsible here because I need to be sharp. I need to have energy. And so, um, and at that point, I was reading one of the books I was reading, and I, I wish I could remember the title of the book, but it had these lessons at the end of every chapter. Lessons that forced you to do stuff that you normally just would never do in a million years. And one of the lessons at the end of this book was, 
uh, pretty simple. Some of them were more complicated. We had to kind of really write down your dreams and aspirations and, and, and everything and, and then follow through with phone calls or whatever or meet people at, you know, network. This one was simple. It said, go out of your way, do something extraordinary with somebody you're in conflict with. Wow. Go do something extraordinary for somebody that you're in conflict with. And, you know, they're going to think you're crazy. They're, they're not going re- to reciprocate. None of that stuff. We just go and do it. And don't be attached to the outcome. So I remember reading that, I think, the night before that morning. And I played a regular, I was in a regular basketball league with a bunch of attorneys. <clears throat> I was the only non-attorney. So it was funny because these guys, they were all in the same firm. And, you know, so somebody would, say, would, would foul, foul, what? And there'd be like a 25-minute debate about it, right? I'd just, oh, my God, these guys. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just classic, you know? actually, yeah. And there was this one, one guy who was kind of, you know, sort of the, the alpha dog there, uh, big guy, over, a little bit overweight, but pretty good athlete, you know what I mean? And uh, and if you were not on his team, then you took a lashing, you know what I mean? And if you were if, if you were on his team and you didn't pass the ball or miss the shot, he just gave you a bunch of crap, you know? And I just thought, man, this guy's a butthead, you know? And we'd always butt heads, the two of us, typically. Not, we wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't actually, you know, fight each other, but there was a lot of verbal back and forth. <clears throat> and uh, so we're in between games, and we happened to be in the same team for this particular game, and we won the game. So he was in a pretty good mood. And um, like a bolt of lightning, that thing popped into my head, go out of your way and do something extraordinary with somebody you're in conflict with. Now, here's a guy that I wouldn't say two words to, wouldn't call, wouldn't hang out with, wouldn't, have, wouldn't grab a beer with, had nothing in common with this guy. Didn't like him. <clears throat> his, name was, his name was Ben, and um, he ran a pretty big company. And I thought, all right. And at that time, and the only reason why it popped into my head is because he was complaining about his weight. He said, man, if I got rid of these 15, 20 pounds, the whole process of playing ball would be a lot easier for me. I wouldn't be dragging my fat ass up and down the, the court, you know. And so I thought, do something extraordinary for somebody you're in conflict yeah. with. Well, I don't like him. So what I thought I would do is I'd go up to him and say, hey, you know, uh, I'm a trainer. I can help you with that. But, of course, in my mind, it came out like this. Hi, Ben. I know you think I'm a dork and I don't have as much money and success as you and your lawyer friends, but I'm a trainer. I train Tom Petty, you know, and Billy Idol, and they're doing good. And and uh, if you train with me, I can help you lose that weight, you know. But it came out more like, hey, man, I mean, I don't know if you're my trainer, but I can help you lose that weight. And I thought he would say, you know, no, thanks. I'm fine. I'm good. I don't need your help. Mm. But he said, you know, wow, that's, that's, wow. Yeah, that sounds like a great idea. What's your number? Gave him my number, thinking he wouldn't call. Came home, message on the machine. Hey, when, I'd love to do it. When can you start? I, I can kind of do Monday, Wednesday morning. Wednesday, Wednesday. I can do Monday, Wednesday, Fridays at 8 a.m. And I had that slot open because somebody had just bailed. I thought, oh, my God, I'm going to have this guy at my house who I don't really like. This is going to be weird. But I wanted the money, you know. And he showed up, and it was awkward a little bit. And it was for all business, you know. And then after about a week or two, we discovered that we had a lot in common, that we were a lot alike. I mean, it's always the case. People usually don't like probably a lot like you, you know, hmm. uh, note to self. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. And uh, so year into the relationship, training the guy, you know, just like other clients, he says to me, I'm hiring this new guy for our company. His name is Carl Deichler. He created Eight Minute Abs. We think he's pretty talented. He's from Philly. We're going to fly him out here. You guys got to meet. You're so much alike. It's crazy. You have the same nutty sense of humor. Uh, I'm going to bring him over for a workout. Carl showed up. Oh, my God. Just a funny, 
funny, funny, good dude. You know, just we really got got along right, right away. So um, Carl and Ben, you know, uh, uh, would come over and work out. I work on work them both out, and then. Uh, uh, during that time is when I went off to Canada and did the 13th Warrior and, and Carl said you gotta write up a program for me like well, can you write, write something up for me and I said yeah sure so I just wrote you know you push ups and pull ups and sit ups and then do cardio and blah 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 and five days a week and go you know I came back from Canada and I saw him and I said holy smokes man you look insane what, what were you doing I always did that program you gave me, the one that you wrote out for wow. me. Wow, so he was really diligent about it on his yeah, own. Yeah, on his own, wow. without me. And he and Ben would, would do it on their own. They, they would just, you know, find time to do it uh, without wow. me. But he stuck with it. And uh, he said, we have to do a video, you and I. I mean, you know, I'm doing pantyhose that don't run videos for Ben. And I want to do, you know, fitness. I'm, a, I'm the eight-minute eight app guy. I want to be able to do something with you. So he just did a little side gig called uh, Great Body Guaranteed. They bought these... Uh, one and two minute slots, these wild wild spots all over the country, you know, Miami, you know, Poughkeepsie, New York, Dallas, Texas, you know, Seattle, Washington, whatever. They just, they roll the dice, they'd spend five grand, <gasps> they made eight. Ooh, made eight, let's spend six. Six made, made 12. 12, let's spend 10. 10 made 14. So it kept wow. going in the right direction. Wow. Which was crazy. And then we bought a couple of national spots, which were super expensive. So we went from spending, you know, whatever, five grand a month to 50, 60, 70 grand. I mean, I'm sorry, in a week. Wow. Which for us was a, was a big deal, you know. Now, was, Beach, was Beachbody an actual company at this Beachbody point? Beachbody was called Product Partners at the time. Okay. And uh, yeah. it was Product Partners, which was the corporate name. And the Beachbody was sort of the public name. At that point, Carl uh, said to Ben, you know, I want to go off on my own. And... and uh, and the guys over at Guthy Renker, it was Guthy Renker, which they do proactive and a bunch of other, yeah, you know, they've yeah. got some of the top infomercials in the country, typically. I said, yeah, you know, rent, rent, rent this office space, which is the size of this tiny room. What is this room? The room's like 13 by 13. That was Carl, Carl's office. And Carl hired Ben's college roommate from UCLA because he had just gotten back from Europe from a photo journalism tour. And he was a teacher. You know, John was a teacher, and he said, "Hey, man, let me show you the business." And John said, "This will be a cool gig. We'll see what we can do." You know, and now they're both multimillionaires, so it turned out pretty wow. well for everybody. And um, so we did. We did great body guaranteed. Anyway, to make a long story good, from that uh, was Power Ninety. Carl said, "Let's take it to the next level. What does it take? You know, what's that thing you do with Springsteen and you do with Petty and Idol? Mm. You kind of doing cardio one day and then weights. Can you recreate that?" In front of a in front of a TV set without all, without all, without all the stuff, you know, and I said sure, absolutely. So I developed that for him, and and we kind of didn't have enough money to actually shoot the DVDs. So what we ended up doing was we shot these practice DVDs for for our test group, so they could have them if they didn't make the test group. And we didn't have enough money for production to make a real fancy high end one, so that's what. Everybody got, you know, we put some graphics, graphics at the bottom and everybody got these practice DVDs with just some really crappy lighting and I was wearing some stupid little shorts and, uh, and no makeup and, and it was what it was. And the thing, uh, first year tanked. Nobody bought it. Power 90 did? Power 90 tanked. Wow. Because no one had seen an infomercial that had said, a fitness infomercial that said, <clears throat> we want you to work out six days a week and eat right. You know, before <laughs> it was like a three days a week, 10 minutes a day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A bunch of crap, you know. Right. And and the few people who had the cojones to to buy this thing to try it, who thought this looks this looks authentic, this looks real, uh, got crazy crazy results, and they started submitting their their video and their and their before and after pictures. And so we basically took their video and their B and A's and we put it in, in the brand new show the second year, 
and it exploded. It absolutely wow. exploded. Now, typically with direct marketing infomercial type shows, whether they be short form or long form, short form is you know anywhere from thirty seconds to two minutes. Long form is the full twenty eight minute infomercial. Right, right. That's twenty eight minutes on a station. And you know whether you're buying, if you're buying CBS, NBC, Fox, Saturday morning, that's big bucks. You know, so we're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars a week on on Power Ninety Media. I mean, you think about it. You know, a couple of guys that when we spent five the first time for a Great Body Guaranteed, everybody was freaking out. You know what I mean? Wow. Yeah. Um, and we got we had investors too that said that we think there's something here. We're going to help you guys out. And it was so bizarre because I lived in my apartment for 21 and a half years, 21 and a half years, 1438 15th Street, Santa Monica 90404, no <laughs> 21 right years. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, wow. I get some new furniture that I would make or buy and, uh, you know, one roommate would come and go and another one would come and go. I mean, 21 years, a couple of girlfriends came and go out of there. And then I ended up expanding this, this the two bedroom apartment because the studio opened up, and I asked the landlord, you know, can I have the studio? So I had a three three bedroom Santa Monica rent control apartment, thinking I was doing pretty good. And then Power ninety blew up, and I was getting these royalty checks. <laughs> Man, that's when you knew you made it. You know what I mean? Because there you are, you're slaving away, you're still doing the carpentry, and I'm not doing the mime anymore, but you know, I'm still doing some handyman stuff, uh, still training people all day long. And then you do this little side project that, you know, like I, I think development-wise, I think Carl gave me a couple right. thousand bucks to develop the thing. But I thought, man, you know, getting a couple grand in the mail, that was that was sick. Uh, and it's not about the money, you know what I mean? But it certainly was freakish and fun to get the kinds of checks I, w- I was getting. Yeah, I bet. I now, mean, you know, you guys, you see this house, right? It's a pretty good joint right yeah so, i think you've done all right for yourself <laughs> yeah yeah you know no, and, and so you it. you know the checks it was just really weird to just finally say you know my accountant would say you got to get out of that apartment man you got to get you got to grow up you can afford a home your accountant said that to you yeah wow <laughs> what, a, what a weird thing to hear from I know, an accountant i know well everybody was saying you know right. saying to get out of here out of that apartment right and so you know i mean i looked at about 40 houses and they were all just okay and i saw this place and the price tag was almost twice what I thought I could afford. But, I, you know, threw caution to the wind, and I got in by the, my chinny-chin-chin, and, and then uh, Power 90 started to tank again. And like so many young actors and actresses in this town, in, in New York for that matter, you get that big break, you get those big checks, and you start buying the car, you start buying the bling, yeah. get the big house. Your lifestyle and ups. Yeah, your yeah. lifestyle, everybody recognizes you, you're walking down the red carpet, people think you're the... You begin to believe your your own press, and then the series gets canceled, mm-hmm. and then you start screwing around doing things you weren't doing when you had the discipline as a young actor, and uh, and now you're not easy to work with, and now your asking price is too much because you're kind of a butthead, and so all of a sudden you've burnt all your bridges, or your show's been canceled, and you got that big ass nut, and you don't know how to pay it, and that's a, you know, working your way up is hard, staying there harder coming down super easy so what do you do to try to prevent yourself from coming down and so you know here i am in this house this room that we're in empty tile floors yellow walls storage area this is where i used to keep all my crap that i didn't want to have in the house this was a big dumb worthless room Hmm. because i didn't couldn't afford to furnish it the 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 dining room empty The, the my office empty this was a spare bedroom. 
uh, and one of the bedrooms upstairs had just a spare bed, no furniture. I mean, you walk in every room and you'd go, hey, 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 what, what, what's going on? Yes, 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 nothing here. So it was kind of embarrassing, you know, to have that success and, and buy the big house. And I thought, oh, my God, you know. So the big, you know, Carl said, what's the next thing? You know, because the company, if I'm struggling, the company's struggling. Uh-huh. And, you know, the big debate was whether we, 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 we create a, a fitness DVD for the obese, because there was a hell of a lot of them in the country, or take Peanut Power 90 and go to the next level. And we were, you know, debating between helping folks who really needed it and helping our customer base and maybe people who were going to the gym who wanted to kick ass in their house. And P90X won out. I mean, barely, but it won out. And again, that tanked. And I swear to God, I thought, I have to sell my house. P90X tanked? Sure. First year. Really? Oh, you took the Power 90 concept. Yeah, you got lucky there. Uh-huh. But now you're going to make it harder, make the workouts <laughs> longer, and make the food more, more disciplined. Who are you kidding? Everybody in the right. industry said we were nuts. There's no shot. And, and again, the few, you know, hardcores who were Power 90 grads and other people who had been going to the gym and just thought they'd try something different started submitting their video and their before and after pictures. Wow. And, uh, and we just took that stuff and we did a little editing and put, put it up there. And people at home went, oh, my God, that's, that's me. That guy, that gal, that's me. And, <laughs> oh, my God. So the Power 90 checks were a joke. Compared to the P90X checks, you know, wow. they were even wow. more amazing. So, and now that was, uh, I was 46 at the time, 45 in development, 46 when I shot it. I'm 55 now. So close to 10 years ago, we were, we were putting that thing together. And wow. everybody knows what it is. It's, it's an iconic brand. You know, you say P90X and most pe- people who, you know, know what that, like I said, know what that is. A lot of people think it's PX90 or whatever they call it. That's my dad calls it yeah. all the time. You got the PX90? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You that PX90? Oh, man, I, you've changed my life. The PX90 is great. I didn't change your life. You're a damn liar because you don't even know what the heck it's called. Show me your pterodactyl backing out of trouble. You don't know what that is? Then you do not own the product. You liar. damn right. But from that, we've built, you know, we've built uh, P90X2 and now we've just mm-hmm. finished... Uh, I've seen the uh, the teaser online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks pretty intriguing. It's friggin' cool, man. I, I you know, it's funny. I've been thinking because I I haven't done P nine X two yet, but I can see the evolution of it. I'm like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But then I was kind of like, there's no way they're gonna do P nine X three because there's nothing else out there. Like, what are they gonna do? And then I saw all the speed stuff, and I was like, oh, I think I know what they're going for. So I'm super excited for. Well, you know, whatever X two uh, unfortunately didn't do as well as P ninety X. Partly because a lot of people found it very frustrating because there's a lot of super highly skill based exercises in it. Stuff that super fit, strong folks with great bodies couldn't do. Four ball push ups, impossibles, levers. And we're talking yeah. about you know Cirque du Soleil meets uh, Olympic gymnast stuff. Not all of it, you know what I mean. And, and mixed martial arts was a little bit more complicated. And and so you know a lot of people who are who really really want to say, okay, I, I got to mix this up. I got to go to the next level. Have to be okay. It reminds me of acting, right? You're not going to just go in there, first take, right. knock it out of the park. Right. You've got to get back in the game over and over and over again. P90X, a little bit more durable, doable for the, for the average person. Obviously harder for people who have a lot of weight to lose, but still manage. Yeah. P90X2, it's, it's weird. It'll mess with your ego, but that's the idea, right? That's the idea mm-hmm. it's supposed to. Yeah. <laughs> and so now with X3... There's agility, there's acceleration, deceleration, all these really funky, cool things. In my opinion, the future of fitness is, is speed, balance, and range of motion. 
I agree. Flexibility. It's it's not pumping iron and looking good in front of the mirror. It doesn't serve you. Not anymore. I think functional fitness is people are starting to really come around to that being what's really respectable about somebody. Anybody can go to the gym and get puffy and big and and have mm. you know. But it's like if you if you can perform, I think that people are starting to to get to catch on that that's yeah. what counts. Yeah. It's about getting better. It's yeah. about improving. It's about it's about. Um, becoming less vulnerable and, and more durable, not only during your workout, but just in life yeah. in general. Because, you know, at, at 55, it's really fun to be able to jump off cliffs on my skis. And and, and uh, I was doing a mud run in, in uh, Mammoth. I was the race marshal again this year. Uh, and I ran the race. And, you know, this is, this is platform. You have to jump on one of those giant, you know, stunt bags. So uh-huh. I just did a front flip just for the hell of it, you know. <laughs> it's like... Because I can. Because, you know, whatever. I mean, I landed yeah. on my ass. I wasn't like I, you know, stuck uh-huh. it or anything. But, you know, it was just fun to be able to have the the body awareness that comes yeah. from, from yeah. doing uh, speed, balance, and range of motion movements, functional movements. Yeah. You know, I, I know it is the last thing I'll say about P90X, but um, I, I've seen a couple interviews on YouTube and whatnot where people talk to you and they say, like, Tony, we love P90X. We love everything. But the yoga is so brutal. Like, it's so long or it's this or it's that. Mm. And I have to say, just kind of in defense of it, it has become my absolute favorite part of the workout because I'm really recognizing that the yoga and that kind of work is really the centerpiece. And all the other stuff, chest and back, all that, is almost like jewelry. Mm-hmm. It's almost like jewelry, mm-hmm. but the yoga is really where it's at. And I, I love that, that that's where Beachbody and your work is going as well. Well, you know, the new one's got Pilates as well. So we've Sweet. added one, one more version, and I'm just absolutely horrible at it. So it was actually yeah. the, one, the one routine that I had to do over and over and over again. And in the process of rehearsing it and doing it and learning it, uh, you get better. You get better physically, mentally, and emotionally. Yeah. And it's about range of motion. It's about flexibility. It's about, it's about durability, like I said. And uh, most people are all just trying to pump up their, their, their arms and their chest and stuff. Yeah, uh, and that's certainly better than smoking crack, you know. But you might as well, if you know more, you might as well do more. And yeah. a lot of people don't. And 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 it's almost as if, you know, people. Uh, I don't care if it's cli- climate change or fracking or or politics or, or or acting technique. If you're stuck in this kind of um, myopic view, then you're not going to become a better actor. You're not going to become a better performer. You know, you've got to, and that's the only, I mean, I started going to mixed martial arts classes. I started taking Pilates. I started going to yoga. And I've, I've you know, I've opened up my repertoire uh, and it makes it more interesting. I have to be relevant. I've got to be, I've got to be up to date. I've got to be ahead of the game. There's a lot of young kids coming up that, that, uh, you know, want to take my job. So hmm. if I have more variety and more techniques and, and more uh, uh, modifications, um, then, you know, they can, they can fight, mm-hmm. crawl and try to keep up but I'm you know I'm always trying to stay ahead of the curve and you're right about yoga so many people just oh they look at that yoga and they'll do kempo instead or do they'll do another stretch program instead mm-hmm. but you're right it really is it's the glue to the whole program if you do that and you work at that and you get better at that then your range of motion improves your strength improves um, your you know everything about your general fitness your balance I mean it's really that's the beautiful thing about yoga there's so many there's so many levels mm-hmm. and you don't get with cardio it's cardio with weights it's weights with core which is awesome you need it you have to have it it's just core yoga is all that stuff yeah. except for the cardio part but it's really that's why it's so magical Bye,
everybody. Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed part two of our Encore interview series with P90X creator Tony Horton. As I said earlier, one of my favorite interview series and one that I'm very happy to be having on the show again. Uh, We'll make this quick, this outro here. I have a quick pick of the week, and that pick of the week is something that I'm only about halfway through, but that already is a massive game changer for me. And that is the book Deep Work by a gentleman named Cal Newport. This is a book that's been floating around for the past year or two. I know a lot of people are familiar with his work, um, his blog, things like that. He wrote another book, I think... Oh, I don't know if it was before or after this one, but it's called So Good They Can't Ignore You, and it's gotten equally high praise. But this book is all about... It, it actually, you know, borrows a couple pages from the book Essentialism that uh, I picked a while ago as well by Greg McCown. I'm not sure how you say his last name. Greg McCown, something Irish. Uh, that book is all about, you know, cutting the fat out of your life and really just drilling down to what is the highest leverage activity you can be focusing on to create results in your life and in your business. And Deep Work takes that a step further. It borrows elements from essentialism. It borrows elements from the book, The Perfect Day Formula, the Craig Valentine interviews. If you haven't uh, heard those, or even if you have, it's worth going back and giving them another listen because everything that, that Cal talks about in Deep Work borrows from essentialism, borrows from Perfect Day Formula, and even borrows from Getting Things Done by David Allen. And just the the things that he sort of lays out and explains and teases out and parses out and fleshes out in this book are are really having me rethink uh, my days, how I spend my time, and more importantly, most importantly, how I spend my focus, my energy, my intention, realizing that it's quite scattered uh, when I could be really honing it and directing it and focusing it. This book gives you some great sort of tools and and tactics to to do that, to implement and really build the skill set and the muscle of long stretches of time focused on on monotasking, essentially, which is just doing one really important, high leverage, uh, satisfying thing. So Deep Work by Cal Newport. Link is on our website. I got it from the library and I'm probably going to buy it just so I can have it for my personal my personal library because it's that good. It's the kind of thing I'm going to want to revisit every so often to remind myself and refresh myself on on how essential a skill like this, a skill like deep work is. So check it out. Deep Work by Cal Newport. And that does it for episode 259 of Inside Acting, produced and hosted by me, Trevor Algott. Jen Levin is our production coordinator, Gadali Gubrek is our marketing and web director, and Deborah Smith is our community manager. Editing help this week comes from Christopher Gray. Thanks again, Chris. And our logo was designed by Fern Lim. You can sign up for our weekly email dispatch and listen to all of our episodes at our website, insideacting.net. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes. We're all over the social medias. And if you do nothing else, a favorable review in iTunes goes a really long way. Big thank you to everyone who has taken the time to write us a nice review on iTunes so far. And a big thank you to those of you who are considering doing so. We really, really, really appreciate it. Special thanks to our sponsors, VO2GoGo and Rehearsal Pro, the app for actors. If you want to learn your lines, be off book for your auditions, explore your character, and make stronger choices... There's an app for that, and it's called Rehearsal Pro. Find out more at rehearsal.pro slash IAP. And a big thanks to you guys, our listeners. You can support the show with an aforementioned iTunes review. 
with a financial contribution, retweets, and or kind public words, or by subscribing to our newsletter, or all of the above. Just visit InsideActing.net to get started. And that does it for episode 259. Thank you so much for listening, guys. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, do deep work. Deep work.